Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south, but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit deeper because I got big skin. After the snap, episode five, I'm Blake Ferguson, long snapper for your Miami Dolphins. I'm here with my brother, Reed, long snapper for the Buffalo Bills. Reed, what is going on, brother? No, just grinding away. Week two OTAs. It's going by. It's going by pretty quickly. I will say that this is the fastest offseason I've ever had. It seems like we just played y'all week 17 like three weeks ago. Not actually, but. I can attest just I think it feels um, a little bit like a blur, you know, with uh, with Blakely coming into the world. But we've tried to try to take advantage where, you know, where we could. But uh, it's, it was, it's been good to get back in the building with and see all the guys. So. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm excited to uh, to kind of get rolling with uh, with all my teammates. So it's been pretty cool to see everybody again after a couple months off. Yeah, I am too, and I think that the OTAs is kind of where everybody has started to meet the new faces that are going to be playing next to them this year, and you know start to get familiar with guys that you've never met before, rookies and. This process for for me last year was very condensed into like six weeks of training camp because we didn't have OTAs, we didn't have mini camp. It was all very condensed. So uh, I'm really trying to take advantage of this and um, you know meet all the new guys as 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 quickly as I can and uh, get to know them. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I know. I know. Especially last year for you, it was tough to kind of only be virtual uh kind of during the whole OTA period because uh, you you know you were a rookie but you know you had your class of rookies but it's kind it's you know as as anything goes like you know for h- hiring new people at a job and getting to meet them over Zoom it's it's no it's no different really you've got to it's hard to to really create that camaraderie um over a Zoom call so uh, yeah, like I, like I said, it's good to be back in the building. Good to meet a lot of the new guys, uh, the rookies that we ha- we drafted, and some of the um, free agent guys that we've signed. So, uh, but then again, you know, like we covered, I think a couple times uh, over the past couple episodes, we brought a we brought a lot of guys back uh, from last season. So a lot of guys re-signed, uh, restructured, and re-signed so they could come back. So that was exciting to see. But um, I think we've we, you know we've got most everybody here. So. It's been good. I get along with Matt, That's uh, good. Matt Hawk, the new punter. So, uh, yeah, he's he's been great so far. We're we're clicking on all cylinders with 
myself, Matt, and Tyler. So uh, it's been it's been fun. We're we're enjoying it. That's good. Let's tell the people why we are here today for episode five. What we're starting today is we are going to start a day in the life series, a day in the life of an NFL long snapper, if you will. Uh, it's get th- it's going to be a three part series. Uh, we're going to cover basically what a typical day uh, and and maybe a, co- a week or so looks like in, throughout different phases of the season. Uh, we're going to cover this week. We'll cover a little bit of what training camp looks like as we get into the summer months, uh, and then we're going to do an episode next week on away games. And then we will do the, the following week on home games and kind of what are our favorite uh, parts of home game weeks, what are our favorite parts of away game weeks, uh, how our routines differ, how they change, how we have to adjust them based on, you know, if we have back-to-back away games, different things like that. So uh, we're excited to, to bring some of that content to everybody, but uh, yeah, let's let's jump right in, Blake. I know uh, you know last year you covered it a little bit on the training camp front, but uh, you know that last year for 2020 with um, COVID, that was kind of the first training camp was your first in person face to face experience with your with your new teammates down there in Miami. Give me a little background as to kind of how that how that training experience training camp experience with the Dolphins was different than maybe your experience at LSU and kind of what were, what kind of dive into maybe the learning curve that you went through because you also didn't have any preseason games uh, to kind of warm you up for the regular season, like, like typical, but uh, just kind of dive into that for me. It all kind of began with me ending up testing positive on day one when we got to training camp and the rookies and the injured players coming into training camp report a few days earlier than the rest of the veterans do. And so I, I ended up, it was a, it was a false positive test. So I was only out for like four or five days, but I was not able to, you know, meet the guys on time and and get going on time. Like I had hoped. So um, I was already kind of behind the eight ball in, in the fact that we had a condensed training camp, with OTAs and all of that, but even more so I was losing four to five days of critical work. So that was tough, but we adjusted and we ended up having a great season. So that was, uh, I was fortunate for that, but a training camp day looks like me being up early sometime around six thirty in the morning, go to the facility. Last year we were, we were COVID testing before we went in and all of that. And then you get some breakfast, you have your meet, your morning meetings to sort of install what you're going to do that day. And then you go out to practice, you warm up. Specialists are usually out there early getting some work in. And then once practice starts, you're, you're ready to go. You're, you're starting with your, you know, your special teams periods and, and things like that. And, and once practice is over, you have a little bit of time just to recover and and decompress from practice, grab some lunch. And then we went into meetings following that. We'd have our afternoon meetings to watch the film from the morning practice. And then you go into night walkthroughs. I don't know. Did y'all have night walkthroughs? 
I think most teams do. Yeah, most days. Yep. Yeah. And that's just to do the corrections from the morning practice and, and get anything straight that you might have, you know, needed to needed to work on. So that's kind of for our listeners, that's kind of what a general day in the life looks like where you have meetings, practice, meetings, night walkthrough. That's usually six days a week and then you have an off day. Uh, once every once a week. So generically speaking, that's what it, that's what it looks like. And then each team is obviously going to differ a little bit with how they structure things and all that. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of how the a day in the life looks. Um, obviously there were a lot of new things for me, but what kind of things were, were new for you in this, in this past year? Well, the one thing I was going to say is, I mean, or going to ask you was, you know, I know it's it's definitely different weather, different temps down there for training camp as far as Buffalo versus Miami. Do you guys do mostly morning practices or or afternoon ever? Because I know I know we we try to do morning up here. We do have some afternoon occasionally, uh, but since the weather is so nice, got you know it's we like to. It's, it's sometimes it's kind of cool in the morning. Uh, yeah, we if it dips down in the seventies or something, but. During August in Miami, it is hot all the time. And so uh, we typically practice like actually over lunchtime, which is the hottest part of the day. And so, and so then you, you know, you eat lunch following that, but yeah, we're, we're practicing pretty much in the hottest part of the day every day. That's tough, but I know y'all are building or have built the new uh, pre- uh, training complex. It looks like they've they've put a new indoor in. I'm assuming y'all will probably take advantage of that on some of uh, on some days. Yeah, it, it rains a lot during that time of year. That's August is like main hurricane season, which you learned. You and I both learned in our time at LSU. There will be days where it'll you know rain in the middle of the day for no reason at all it'll just pop up thunderstorm and so you gotta you gotta run into the indoor and and finish practice in there or whatever i would assume that that's that would be the main reasons we would take take advantage of that we like to use the heat to our advantage just like y'all like to use the cold to your advantage and so the only way to to coach o when i was at lsu liked to say that the the only way to make friends with ray baker is to spend time with ray baker and Ray Baker being the sun, that's what we do. We we spend as much time out in the hot humidity as we can, and that helps prepare us for the game days in Hard Rock when it's very hot on those sidelines. Yeah, I feel you. Um, back to your question, I don't know if there really was uh, much that changed. I mean, apart from you know the protocol, the the protocols and stuff were obviously. <laughs> hindered our ability to kind of move around freely and whatnot. We kind of had to stay in certain parts of the, of the training complex and the training facility and whatnot and do, uh, like you mentioned, we had to, you know, everybody had to test every morning. Uh, but for the football side of it, it was kind of, it was pretty much the same as far as like scheduling and stuff. And I wasn't, I didn't want to get too far into like a day daily schedule on our side. Cause it's pretty much the same. I mean, you have morning meetings, uh, practice after some form of afternoon meetings, excuse that's my dog buck yeah i didn't want to get too far in the weeds about you know our daily schedule because it's pretty much 
the same, you know, you have your morning meetings, you have practice, uh, you know, late morning around lunchtime, and then you have meetings after, you know, a little bit like a workout or, you know, lunch, whatever, meetings in the afternoon, and then some type of walkthrough, you know, or something along those lines before the day is over uh, and you, you know, go to sleep or whatever. But, you know, the, the one thing I was going to say is I, I saw earlier today, uh, I think one of the NFL network reporters came out and said it, it looks like fans are going to be allowed at training camp again um, this year. So that, uh, that was great news, first of all, just because I know uh, with my, uh, my only experience with training camp is uh, here in Buffalo. Uh, but I know, you know, I, I'm not sure if we're going back to St. John Fisher. We you know, obviously, last year we were in, but everybody was at their their home facilities. Uh, but I do know that the fans are a huge part of, you know, of of the training camp experience at St. John Fisher. I know I love seeing all the fans. I know, you know, all my teammates seeing all the, love seeing all the fans signing autographs, uh, taking pictures, you know, at, before, after practice, whatever it may be. I know that's 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 a really big part of it and something that uh, that we all enjoy being a part of. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it'll 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 be uh, it'll be kind of fun this year to you know with attendance and stuff like that to kind of get back to somewhat of a normal season. I'm I'm excited as much for you know for us to get back to it as I am for you, Blake, to kind of experience what. Uh, you know, a, a normal air quotes, uh, you know, NFL season kind of looks like as far as, you know, going through the whole process. But, um, you know, get kind of taking uh, the next step into a, into the, you know, the preseason uh, talk. I think uh, one big thing for me in training camp is to, over the years, kind of learn to treat preseason games as regular season games. And I know that kind of sounds obvious uh, to to uh, people that may not know, but for the majority, I'm not going to say the majority, for a lot of the players on your team, some guys may play sparingly. Some of the star guys might play sparingly in the preseason. Some guys who are fighting for, um, you know, a bubble spot or, you know, like I was in 2016, uh, I was fighting for the, for one position with, uh, you know, the guy that was here before me. So you're, you're, you know, you're, you're a little more tuned in, you're playing, you know, you're, you're treating every game as if it is a regular season game. And that's one thing that, that I have, I hope that I have tried to do my whole career, uh, in treating preseason games like they're a normal game, but it's important. I think it's important for specialists, uh, in particular, to do that because jobs. I can't remember who told me that. Who told me this a while back? It may have been like Hauschka or somebody who was obviously a veteran. Um, but they told me, job. You know, as a specialist, jobs are hard to win in preseason, but they're easy to lose. Uh, and it's just it, it kind of it, it make it made me realize that this was back when we were playing. You know, obviously we just switched to a seventeen game season, but you put you know you have sixteen games up to this year and four preseason games. You know, as a specialist, you're you in your in your mind 
if you don't make the playoffs, you have to mentally prep yourself in training camp that you're about to play a 20 game season, right? In 21 weeks with the bye week, right? I mean, you're for all intents and purposes, you're treating all game the regular season game, the preseason games as regular season games because that that is your that's your time to get kicker, punter, snapper all in tune in a in a in a in a uh, fast paced game format. Uh, and I, I every year, you know, even though we didn't have uh, preseason games last year, every year I just try to remind myself as far as getting getting my routine down for a home preseason game for a away preseason game you know whatever that whatever those routines look like it's important for me to start to get my mind rolling for the regular season as to what as to what the you know those game day routines look like but yeah that was that that's kind of my that's one of the biggest training camp pieces for me is is just learning but now treating those preseason games as regular season games because like i said it's 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 hard to it's hard to win a job and certainly you know i'm the you know we're we have three specialists here kicker one kicker one punter one snapper at the moment but uh you know whenever there is competition it's hard to win a job but it's easy to lose one yeah and that's really good because like you said this is an experience that i have never gone through before and never uh, have had a true NFL preseason going into a true NFL season, no fans, all that. But yeah, the, I did not see that about the fans now being allowed at training camp. That's going to be awesome. And then the three preseason games I'm looking forward to because we're playing a couple of teams that I've never played before with, you know, Chicago and Atlanta and, can't remember who our third preseason game is, but you know, you get into these games a lot of times in the preseason that you are playing opponents that you don't necessarily normally play. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. So, so, you know, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, our perspective on uh, a day in the life of a long snapper during the training camp period. Uh, next week, like I mentioned before, we will be covering a uh, day in the life of an away game and uh, kind of going through an away game week, kind of leading up to that, the travel time, things we like to do for away game travel trips uh, as far as getting out, like seeing the city, restaurants, whatever that may be. So if you have any questions, be sure to include those uh, in the mailbag for anything that you would like us to to cover um, next week on that part of the series. Uh, But uh, changing topics... We are now going to get into short snaps. Short snaps. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. All the news that's fit to kick. On this week's short snaps, we are going to discuss our five favorite restaurants in our home areas. We like to eat. Y'all like to eat. Why not show you what we like to eat and talk about it? In these rankings... We're going to go backwards from number five all the way to number one. Reed and I will take turns listing off our favorite restaurants. Number five on my list is Big City Tavern. 
It's in Fort Lauderdale and it's on Las Olas Boulevard, which if you've ever been to Fort Lauderdale, that is like the place to be. That's where all the bars are. That's where all the restaurants are. That's like the main drag in Fort Lauderdale. Big city tavern. They got great burgers. They got great charcuterie boards. But my favorite thing to get there Ooh. is, yes, big cheese meat. Yes, all of that. Uh, but my favorite thing to get is their smoked old fashioned. And I know our buddy Kylie will appreciate this as that is his favorite drink. But I, I usually get, you know, one or two of those along with my meal. They usually have a specialty burger when I'm there. So whatever that is, I'll gra- I'll get that. Last week it was a they had like a pizza burger and it was really good with like pepperoni and mozzarella and all that. Sounds so, amazing. Yes. Tell us what your number five is. So my number five, uh, and it's, and it's, I mean, it's gosh, it hurt me to put it at number five, honestly, but my number five is Pearl street brewery downtown Buffalo. Uh, that that's it's been hot. one of my favorite spots since I've uh, been coming up here. Uh, for anybody that knows Pearl Street, and if you don't know Pearl Street, you better find out about their pot roast because it they it's set it's such an odd thing. Well, to me, when it, when somebody told me I had been there a couple times, somebody told me they were like, "Have you tried the pot roast?" No, I haven't because I don't think about ordering something like that at a restaurant. Normally, that's like mom's Sunday dinner, right? Yeah. Out of the in crock the, pot in the crock pot. With anyway, baby carrots, yes. For anybody here in Buffalo listening to the pod, do me a favor. Do yourself a favor. Head on down to Pearl Street and try out the pot roast. They also underrated pizza. They have great pizza. And I think people don't know about their pizza because it's not like a take it to go, you know, like some of those local mom and pop shops. It's just a pizza shop. Uh, But yeah. Pot roast and the pizza, and it's really close to a lot of stuff, lot like the arena, the stadium downtown, baseball stadium, stuff like that. So it's close, but yep, that's my number five. Coming in at number four, we have Christoph's Cafe. That is a Davy slash Plantation, Florida specialty. If you like brunch or breakfast, it's my favorite breakfast spot, and. They are also a big weekend specials restaurant. I like to go there on a Saturday or a Sunday and they have, they usually have some sort of like specialty French toast and it is always immaculate. So I get my feta and spinach with some other stuff mixed in an omelet and then I get whatever the specialty French toast is. Well, oddly enough, my number four is also a breakfast spot, and that is Kalina Marie's here in Orchard Park. Uh, It's a little bakery in the village, and it is one of me and my wife's favorite spots to go. Uh, Their cinnamon rolls are to die for. Breakfast sandwiches are are really, really strong, and I haven't had the, the lunch sandwiches and stuff. I've only been there for breakfast. These cinnamon rolls are bigger than your noggin, and they are phenomenal. So there's a reason it's in my top five. Y'all know I love my food. 
Buffalo has great food all over. When I came up to Buffalo for your daughter being born, coming into this world, didn't we get cinnamon rolls from there? Yes, we did. Celebratory. They were, I can confirm, they were as big as my noggin, and my noggin is pretty big. Number three is actually a new spot in Miami. This one's in Miami Lakes, and it's called Chelas. And it's a little nod to the Latin flair of South Florida. And it is a, it's called Chelas Beer Garden. And it is a beer garden mixed with a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant. And it is unbelievable food. It actually is a pop-up. It's, it's a six-month pop-up restaurant that went in where an old um, On the Border was. I believe during coronavirus, the On the Border shut down and they needed a tenant at this restaurant. And so Chelas came along and was like, yes, we'll do it. And so they have this huge footprint in Miami Lakes where they can you know, have all this outdoor seating and they can do live music. And they did a really cool Cinco de Mayo party with, you know, different tents and things for trying out all the new stuff that they have. And there were different beer vendors there. It's a really cool spot. So if you live in Miami, I would highly suggest going over there. Yeah. My number three uh, is a strong, strong home favorite. Uh, and I think it's the best Italian spot here in Buffalo. And that is Mulberries. And uh, for those who for those who have not been, like I said, it's one of my favorite Italian spots here in Buffalo. Uh, they have a phenomenal, just order the meatball. Yep, the meatball, our producer Chris put in the chat. The meatballs are the size of softballs. Chris knows, producer Chris is, is well aware but yeah, they're, they're just great food all around. Uh, they've been a local favorite for a very long time. They they kind of redid their dining room a little bit. They used to have a ton of pictures of celebrity, you know, the old picture with the owner and celebrity. You know, you, you have a, a wall full of pictures. But uh, yeah, Mulberries, uh, I believe it's technically in Hamburg, uh, but it is located kind of like in the middle of a neighborhood, uh, which so it's kind of... It kind of just sneaks up on you. But uh, yeah, Mulberries, highly, highly recommend. If you owned a restaurant, who would you want to come into your restaurant? What celebrity would you want to come into your restaurant? Because I know mine. Probably. Well, it's not going to be. I'm thinking strategically because as you always any do. spot that Guy Fieri, any spot that Guy Fieri goes in, you know he's going to bring some good pub. So I'm thinking if I'm starting up or, you know, whatever, get guy in there with some pictures and some video, definitely going to get your restaurant popping. And producer Chris says Guy Fieri has been to Mulberry's. So how ironic. Yeah, I mean, a guy, but I, I don't even know. I mean, apart from that, I mean, gosh, Blake Ferguson, maybe. I mean, we have to do a live pod recording at wow. my restaurant. You'd have to film a TikTok in there. Oof. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know who would you, who would you have? Who's your celeb? Steve Carell. Easy. I just want to meet Easy. him, and I would pray that he would come into my restaurant because 
that would be just I mean the the if the listeners didn't know after last week that we were big Steve Carell fans, they ought to now because that would just be that would make my life for him to walk into my restaurant on purpose and eat there. Yeah, I think if you made your food on a George Foreman grill, that's kind of the that's the first step. No pun intended. I'll put a koi pond outside. Coming in at number two is one of the Miami Dolphins specialists' favorite spots. This is where we like to go, and it is called Vignettos. It sits in Davie, maybe Plantation. I believe it's Davie. Um, and it's our favorite Italian spot. We love to go get their bolognese. They, they make everything that they have is it, – it's one of those places that everything that they make is just amazing. And they have this like eight-layer chocolate cake that is just unbelievable as well. So the whole experience at Vignetto's is always really good. Uh, Frank, the the GM, is is always really good to us as well, getting us in when it's busy. And Vignetto's is our number two spot in South Florida. Excellent. Coming in at my number two, uh, personal favorite, I think is the best wing spot in Buffalo, Barbell in East Aurora. And there's been uh, much discussion over the years on best wing spots, but I can assure you I have tried a gaggle of them. Wow. You did not wake and up I this promise you, thinking that you would say that word. I promise none of them will stack up to what Barbell has to offer. If you go and order 10 honey butter wings, you will honey not butter. be disappointed. Honey butter? Yeah, you honey get, butter. You got to get buffalo, dude. Honey Buffalo, New York. No, sorry, let me let me rephrase that. The Cajun honey butter barbecue wings. See, that's just me. To die for. I can't turn down any kind of Cajun food. Okay, I'm, I know. I think we. That, I think that's we why you'll one, you'll love my number one. I think we went there one time. Ooh, that I know what your number one is, and it is amazing. But I think we went to Bar Bill one time, sat at the bar, and it was uh, – I can't attest to how good it was. It was very tasty. Coming in at number one is Coconuts in Fort Lauderdale. It is on the water, and it is my favorite spot in all of the Miami slash Fort Lauderdale area. It is a very popular restaurant. A lot of tourists like to go there just because it's – like the cool seafood spot on the water in Fort Lauderdale. They do have some really good conch fritters. Have you ever had any conch fritters, Reed? I have no idea what that is. So a conch shell, like in SpongeBob, that you like can hear yep. the you can hear the echo. You can actually eat that like uh I guess it's I don't know what that's called, but you can eat it and it's very good. They make it into like this little hush puppy type ball thing and you, you eat it. So, uh, they have really good conch fritters and they also have other good seafoods. So that's my favorite restaurant in South Florida. There are plenty of really good 
restaurants, but those are my top five. Reed, send us off with your number one. Yep, number one uh, on my list, and it was an easy number one, and that's going to be Tutant. Downtown Buffalo, my man James, the head chef, uh, he does it right down there. That's right. He gets gets his fresh fresh seafood sent in, uh, flown in. Um, pretty much every day from Louisiana, so it's you know you're getting the freshest, uh, the freshest of the fresh. Uh, but but you go there, they 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 do it all right. They do it all right. The, the crawfish etouffee, fried chicken, biscuits, you name it, you will not have a bad thing on the whole menu. They did a brisket one time; it's phenomenal. Yeah, the whole the whole thing. They have a great. I don't drink whiskey. They do have a phenomenal whiskey bar downtown or down downstairs of the restaurant, right when you walk in. For those that are interested in that uh, scene, uh, but yeah, Tutant, uh, you know, head and shoulders, my number one. Well, that turned into a short snap becoming a long snap. Those are our top restaurants in our home areas. We hope that you have either been to them and and also enjoyed them, or that you will go visit them soon because we love those folks. Let's drink some beer, shall we? Lord, beer me strength. Bros and Brews Beer Reviews. Wow, that was amazing. I loved that send-in to our to our Bros and Brews segment. Shout out to producer Chris for that. That was awesome. Let's do a beer crack. You ready? Go three, for it. Three, two, one. Amazing. Beautiful. The beer I've selected this week is from my favorite brewery in the entire planet. It is actually from our hometown of Atlanta, Georgia, our home city of Atlanta, Georgia. But it is Sweetwater Brewing Company. If you are from Atlanta, if you're from the South, really, you know about Sweetwater. It's my all-time favorite. They make Sweetwater 420, which you've probably heard of if, if you've heard of their brewery. But this is their Sweetwater OG IPA, and it comes in a cool yellow can. I'm going to give it a little taste test, and we are going to give it a Snapocity score. I'm tasting it like I've never had it before. I'm going to go with... That's strong. That is strong. And I, and I like to think, so in my head, I'm, I'm thinking that anything above an 8.5, I will stand by with everything that I have. I will stand by it. And if you have a bad experience, that's on you. If you don't have a eight and a half and up to you is elite. Eight and a half and up is elite. That is an 85% and that is like flying colors passing grade. This is an 8.6. I I love this beer. It is, it is my favorite beer. It stays in my fridge at all times. It will never expire in my fridge ever. So I just got um, my third monthly or, or bi-monthly shipment. Uh, my 12 pack here. The beer I chose today is from Shipyard Brewing Company. Uh, it's it's a seasonal. 
one of their seasonal beers, Blue Fish Brut IPA. It comes with a little a little paper. Each each shipment comes with a little description sheet. Uh, it says it's a dry, highly carbonated, clean IPA with a citrus backbone and smooth mouthfeel. Interesting. Uh, page ho- pays homage to the Cascade Hop, which catapulted American Pale Ales and West Coast IPAs. So uh, it sounds like this this is a pretty pretty special one. It's a shipyard brewing company. They're out of Portland, Maine. So I'll give it a I'll give it a sip here. You know how much I am a fan of IPAs. So I felt like it was an obvious choice for this week's pod. Man, that is delicious. Uh, and they are not kidding when they say it has a smooth mouthfeel. Uh, that goes down really easy. Uh, I'm I'm kind of sad that I only have two left after this one. I'm going to give that a uh, a 7.8. I think 7.85. It's, it's teetering almost to a 7.9. Not there yet. Uh, but this is a delicious beer. Um, like I said, I'm kind of sad that I don't have more. I might have to see if I can get my hands on on another pack of these. But Bluefish Brut IPA from Shipyard Brewing Company is phenomenal. So now that we've done our bros and brews segment, uh, we're going to hop into the last batch of mailbag questions. Uh, so we had a bunch. Thank you to everyone that... Uh, sent in questions on Twitter and Instagram uh, over the last day or so. Uh, I, I found a couple of good ones uh, that I think would be entertaining to cover here. So uh, first off, uh, Ashton42 asks, what is your go-to song to get you hyped before a game? I think mine is, and this is this is going to be a weird answer for everybody because I believe, Reed, you and I both listen to very chill music before games. Is that still true? I know you used to. Yeah, I, I uh, big fan of classic rock and yeah. uh, the artist Lord L O R D E. Uh, she is great, um, yeah. and I think hopefully she's coming out with a new album soon. But uh, yeah, she's pretty she's pretty chill, just very mellow, easy listening, kind of throughout the whole pregame process. But uh, yeah, what is what is your uh, what's your go to hype song? Yeah, so I, like Reed was saying, we both listen to very chill music before games. And a big reason for that is at the long snapper position and really any specialist position, it's so mental and it's so much focus that it takes to perform and do what we do that if you are hyped up and like ready to run through a wall, you will send one over your punter's head and that will not be good. So playing music that will lower your heart rate is what we listen to. I am a big John Mayer fan. So really anything off of his continuum album is, is what is playing in my ears before kickoff. But um, gravity is really good. Gravity is one of my favorites that I like to listen to. And then it's funny. Stop this train is actually my my alarm in the mornings. So yeah. So those are uh, those are a couple of my songs that I listen to. But uh, really, anything off of that Continuum album by John Mayer. Yeah, I'm I uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I uh, you know I'm talking about the mellow songs. I'm I do like to dabble in the mellowness a little bit. But recently, I have certainly gotten back to my middle school roots 
ACDC. Oh, baby. ACDC. Yep. A little bit of Are You Ready for Those About to Rock. Uh, Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. Just a couple on the playlist. But yeah. Can we get a demo? Yeah, I'd love to someday. Um, Yeah, producer Chris says Motley Crue. I am a big fan of Motley Crue. Kickstart uh, my heart is a personal favorite. Uh, Great guitar solo there. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of those are kind of my go tos to certainly get me pumped up for uh, for the game. Uh, Okay, so moving on. Second question: How often do you daydream about somehow scoring a touchdown on punt coverage? And that question comes from Alan underscore Goodwin on Instagram. A lot, probably more than I would like to admit. But there are times where I am literally like on a Saturday night before a game or a Friday night when I was in college, I would lay down and I would, I am a big visualizer person, like as I'm laying my head down on the pillow at night. And that's one of the things that I like to visualize before a game because one day it will happen. We have. I've been telling myself that for five years. We have one sixteenth of the of the long snappers in the league on this podcast. It's bound to happen to one of us. One sixteenth. My answer to that question is probably similar to yours. Uh, probably more than I'd like to admit. That's six point two five percent. And I think last year. I think last year in the AFC Championship was probably as close as I've ever been and and hope hopefully not, but definitely I, I'm not sure if I'll get closer because I think I think it was the first punt uh, that we had in the first quarter, maybe the second punt. Uh, pretty, I think it was the first punt actually. The returner uh, bobbled it and our, our 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 gunner, I believe he recovered it maybe on the two or the one yard line. we kind of all like dove into the end zone and uh, the ball was loose a little bit. So that was, that was kind of, a lot was happening and it was a lot for me to process at the time, but I just kind of like signaled for a touchdown. I thought we scored, but he, you know, didn't get in, but it, that, that'll be, you know, speak, speaking for myself only, I definitely have a touchdown celebration ready to go. I don't think Excellent. that people realize that. Sorry. One more thing on, the you well the thing is you've scored a touchdown in your life i haven't a, yeah scored a couple not to not to you because you yeah. you caught some balls in middle school and i i dropped two touchdowns and that was the only time i think i was ever thrown at two so i have never scored a touchdown you have i have and i've also recovered a i've recovered a uh, it was a muff and I don't think people realize that there's a difference between a muffed kick or a muffed punt and a fumbled punt return because for the punt team, you cannot advance a muffed punt. And a lot of times, if you're going to have a shot at getting the ball as the long snapper, it's going to be on a muffed punt, not a fumbled punt. So That's right. on, a, on a fumbled punt return, this is this – is, um, this is a special teams install for our podcast today. But on a fumbled punt, you can advance it. Yep. So third question I've got uh, is from Twitter. It's at 15BillsMafia. He asks, are we excited to get fans back into the stadium? 
And what were some of the biggest adjustments to having no fans last year? Blake, I'll let you go first. It was tough because I went from playing in front of like 80,000 people in the national championship in New Orleans, most of them being LSU fans, to playing Gillette Stadium in front of nobody. And that was like literally my next game that I played. And so that was weird. But fortunately for most of our games this year, we had fans. There were not very many, but we still had some people in the crowd. Now, for you, I know it's going to be a lot different because most of your games, you did not have any fans. Yeah, it's yeah, it was definitely an adjustment last year, just from uh, the standpoint of creating. You kind of you really had to create your own energy uh, on the sideline with your teammates. So, I think the one thing I missed was those high highs, and you know, we had a great season last year. You know those those game-winning touchdowns, those long touchdowns, those great plays, you know, Josh to Diggs, Josh to Beasley, you know, whatever, a sack, you know, sacking the quarterback, you know, whatever whatever it was, like, it was great to celebrate with our teammates, but, like, man, I, 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 every game, every home game, I sat there and I just thought to myself, like, in any normal season, like, I would not be able to hear myself think right now because this place would be packed, jam-packed full and these people would be going nuts. So definitely excited and anxious to get the fans back. It sounds like, you know, like I said, like I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we're going to have fans back at training camp. And it looks like most teams will have the ability to have full stadiums as well. So fingers crossed, uh, things are looking good uh, for, for fans back in the stands. But uh, that's that. it's going to be awesome. And I'm not really sure there's another way to put it, but – uh, I, I cannot wait. You know, I'm, I, I'm so, you know, I'm over the moon excited that we're starting week one at home and, and uh, you know, at, at Highmark Stadium and then in, in the new newly named Highmark Stadium because uh, it's going to be jam packed. And those those fans, Bill's Mafia is going to be bouncing off the walls. Well, that wraps up our mailbag and our beer review. And that also wraps up this week's episode. So thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, please leave us a review. We love reading off the five-star reviews. Also, follow us on social media. Subscribe at After the Snap Pod on Instagram and Twitter. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.